our focus today will be in verses 2 and 3. It's an interesting text. It's a crucial text. I don't think it's taught a lot. So we'll have to see what the Lord says about it. Ephesians 4. I'm going to go to James 4 in a minute. Okay. So anyway, Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all humility and gentleness, patience, showing tolerance with one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Father, everything in this text is against our nature. So I ask you to teach mightily this morning that we may hear, we may understand, we may draw in such a way to be overwhelmed. What we've been called to, but Father, what you've already given us to walk worthy. Father, we love you. May our love be fleshed out. People will know that we are children of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his precious name, amen. Last week I began moving into this text. I shared with you in our study here, verse 1, the Apostle Paul is begging believers to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. He has dealt with some amazing doctrine, theology, in the first three chapters. And at the end of chapter 3, he prays that we get a grip, that we can handle this. Last week, we looked at length on God's view of pride. We looked at it in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Jeremiah, in the book of Malachi, of course, the book of Proverbs. How does God look upon pride? We saw how he looked upon pride. I can give it to you in one word. It's an abomination. Okay? It's an abomination. In the New Testament, like I said earlier, James chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right. He's talking about things in the church as quarrels and conflicts. Is not the source of your pleasures the wage of war of your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder and you're envious. And that's describing what pride does. And if you want God's grace, guess what? You have to jettison pride. First John, the ladies went through that over the last month. It's lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. What? Pride of life. It's not of the Father. It is of this world. And this world is passing away in the lust thereof. You ever thought about that? Because you know what? I shared with you last week, this thing dealing with pride is elusive. As soon as you think you've defeated it, guess what? You just lost. You just lost. It's simple. Pride, God is against. Humility, God is for. If you go through the scriptures, let's take you a concordance, and go through the scriptures, you find out that throughout scripture, we don't have enough time to look at all of them that deals with Humility. There's that many. Okay? 
I'll give you a handful. You don't have to turn to them. You just write them down and look them up. Proverbs 15, verse 33. 15:33. Before honor is humility. Proverbs 22, verse 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor of life. Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. You know, I can go on and on and on on humility. It is so practical. Remember what Peter told us? Be holy for your Father in heaven is holy. Okay. When, when you hear the word holy, what do you think of? I think, I mean, you can first say God. Okay, I'll go with that. But when I hear the word, I immediately jettison to set apart. Set apart. Okay. The practical sense of humility is that it is not of this world. It is set apart. It's not in our nature. Actually, if you look at it last week's message, I dealt with part of the curse that we are under is our pride. The first sin that was committed was committed by Lucifer, and it was what? Pride. And he said, I will, I will, I will. You know, many of us in this room are guilty of that. See, it is practical Humility is a practical act of holiness because it is not of this world. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1. Isaiah has an amazing way of saying things. By chapter 51, I'm figuring he's pretty sick and tired of this whole Israel thing. And here's what he says. Look to the rock which you were hewn. And the hole and the pit which you have been dug. See what I mean? He has a way with words, doesn't he? Basically what he's saying, you've forgotten where you came from. Listen. There are too many. Okay? Too many in the body of Christ that forget where they came from because they're living in their pride. Now, I know most of you right now will sit there and say, hey, I'm, I struggle with it, but hey, you know, I'm doing all right. No, you're not. I love you guys. I have spent a lot of time with all of you guys. And this is a battle that we are all guilty of. And sometimes we get our lunches handed to us. And we do it subtly. I'm not going to drive up in my brand new Rolls Royce and say that. God has blessed me. I don't have a Rolls Royce. Everybody's like, he's got a Rolls Royce? <laughs> I don't have one. But if you think about our casual conversation, who do we talk about? Paul said, I am determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. See how easy it is? Why? It's our nature. It's our nature. Anytime you have a desire that I would like to... I've accomplished something. I mean, I accomplished something yesterday. I about run out of fuel in my tractor doing the snow. And I felt pretty good about myself. 
But I don't know anybody in this room would say, Lord, please don't let me run out of gas. Well, that's what I was doing. Help me. Help me. I know there's a gauge down there, but why look at it? Anytime you feel yourself thinking that, hey, I'm doing all right. I'll give you this one. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. I read those first three verses of chapter 2 in Ephesians. It is a little difficult for me to think that I have something to boast about. Right? That's an, a bomb that you can put on pride. You and I were dead in our sins. You and I were guided by the lust of the flesh. That was our motivation. By nature, we were children of wrath. Remind yourself who you are when you want to be proud, when you want to boast. Listen, humility is the foundation for all spiritual blessings. Did you hear what I said? If you interject pride in there, you know what you just did? Stop spiritual blessings. Just like that. Dead in their tracks. Before any honor, there has to be humility. Remember what we were talking? I beg you, what? Walk worthy of your calling. What's step one? You know, I go through Proverbs. That's a humbling book. In the day and age we live, God will only bless the humble. I don't think we really pay that much attention to it. Why? Because look at our culture. Look at our society. But then you know, say, well, that's the American. No, man. Go through history. Look at the planet. It's always been that way. I am sure that we have forgotten how important this truly is. Listen, I've been racking my little old pea brain with this. And I came to a conclusion it's only taken me about 35 years. I'm slow. Every sin, period, okay? Every sin, I don't care what the sin is, is rooted in pride. Rack your head on it. It's all rooted in pride. All sin is a defiance of God and His right to be God and His holiness. That's what sin is. What is its basis? The same as Lucifer's. I will, I will, I will, I will. And you know what? It's all pride. I've seen this over and over and over. I have been in this church for 30, 35, 36 years, roughly. I've been a senior pastor for about 24, 5 of it. And I have seen this consistently in my walk with the king. Okay? Over and over and over, you and I will grapple with the edges. All right? Some of the actions 
that are causing problems. And you know what? We never cut straight to it and deal with the issue. Okay? If you have envy, guess where it came from? If you want to argue, guess where it came from? If you're not content, guess where it came from? See, we will deal with all the stuff on the edges and we never go to the heart of the problem. The heart of the problem is what? It's pride. Family problems between a husband and a wife. What's the issue? Every single time. What's the issue? Doesn't matter. I don't care what the issue is. It's all going to come back to one thing. It's pride. Have problems with your kids? What's the issue? Well, my kids won't listen. Why? They're deaf. No. (laughs) Why? It's pride. It's pride. People come, how do you do this? I've read the books. I've been to the seminars. I've, I've seen all of the behavior modification that is out there. And the issue is single individual pride. How do I fix my family? How can I get my family in a Bible study? It's pride. Every time, every single time, every single time. It's pride. Might be an individual. It might be a group of individuals. When a church blows up, what caused that? Pride. I know better. Oh, really? It's always the same. Now we'll hang a, a, a cute little something on it. The truth of the matter is, it's pride. Listen, you can never have honor. You can never have happiness until there's humility. You know what? And it don't really matter what you've done. I don't care how much you've given. I don't care how much you've served. I don't care how much you've prayed. I don't care. It doesn't matter because you know what? Without humility, there will never be a worthy walk. So what are you doing? If you have never walked in humility, you do not know what it is to walk a worthy walk. What God is saying to you and I today is a worthy walk begins with what? Listen, this was, is so, it, it's amazing to me in this age of 2,000 years after the birth of Christ, how we have missed this, okay? It, it, it's actually stunning to me. Did you know that it is impossible Okay, did you hear what I said? It is impossible to be saved without humility. Did you know that? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, Jesus said, Except you become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. You must humble yourself as a little child. You ever seen those kids? I'd like to have some ice cream. Here's my resume. Nah, I don't do that. They come absolute humble. Why? They don't deserve anything. They know that. Help me. Can you help me? Listen. Many forget this, and it's, you know, I I keep thinking, well, is it us? But then I read Jeremiah, and I read Isaiah, I read Ezekiel, and some of that. No, man, this is human nature. 
Many forget this. Listen, you can't be a Christian unless you come in humility. You have to come to God saying and knowing you deserve nothing. That's how you're saved. I am worthy of nothing. Well, that's not true. Eternal damnation you are worthy of. Listen. I see Christians living their lives as if they came to salvation. They go into God's prison and say, hey, it's me. Here I am. You want to see my credentials? How about my resume? Sorry it took me so long. I was busy. That's not salvation. Listen, it's only the humility of a sinner. There is no other way to enter into the family of God. In Luke's gospel, a text that many of us are familiar with, chapter 18, verse 13 and following. But the tax collector, standing some distance away. Now, do you understand a tax collector? A tax collector in the New Testament is same as an IRS agent today. Okay? I mean, it's... What a lovely group of people. Tax collector in the time there has got him a little job and he collects tax from the Jewish people and the Jewish people believe that he's a traitor. Okay? And a tax collector has the same stigma that you would have today at that time. Okay? But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you that this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen. You go into the throne room of God, you got nothing. You got nothing. See, I think what happens is, is that we get saved and we walk for a while or we practice for a while or we, and we fall and we get up, we fall and we get up and we just kind of cruise along with a smile on our face and all the rest of it. And we have forgotten that humility is the standard of salvation. So if anything, if we're really honest with Scripture, our humility should be growing as we grow in our salvation. Listen, We should be seeing humility in each and every one of us. Because the opposite is what? Pride. This is not easy in our society. I understand that. It's elusive. As soon as you think you're humble, you're not no more. Listen... I'm going to try not to step on anybody's toes, but I would tell you right now, put your steel toe shoes on. How many of us are cruising around? We want the accolades. How many of us get mad when somebody don't give us the accolades? What caused that? Awards, trophies, ribbons, plaques, certificates. Why are we doing that? See, that's our society. That's our society. 
And the extent of that is to exalt self. Look what I did. No, you didn't. If you think about it, no, you didn't. You didn't do nothing. To lift me up. And we do that because we want better everything. Think about it. I want a better car. I want a newer car. I want a bigger home. I want a smaller home. I want carpeted floors. I want hardwood floors. Why? Why? You're just going to walk on them. You're just going to live in it. And guess what? You can't take it with you. Heard, heard a joke the other day. You know there are no trailer hitches on a hearse. You ain't taking nothing with you. Why are you excited about? I got to have a bigger or better whatever. You you think I'm kidding? What do we do with clothes? What do we do with them? I got to have new clothes. Why? Because I haven't had any in a while. Why are you doing that? It's to exalt self. Look at me. Now, I would like to have a new suit because some of mine have shrunk. But other than that, <laughs> I, I'm getting too many coats that have to be left open. <laughs> what happens is, is that uh, we get into it where we want to put ourselves up. I have a new fill-in-the-blank. And what inevitably happens whenever I've got a, a newer house, a prettier house, or uh, what do we do? Remodel my house. I get a newer car. I get a this thing, or I get that thing, or I get more clothes, or prettier clothes, or nicer shoes, or, and, and things like that. Basically, you end up, we will begin to look down on those who don't have. It's inevitable. You know what? And then we gotten good at it in America. Because now I can look down on you, but I do it as if I'm pitying you. And God looks on it and says, no. Your arrogance is an odor. Let me get, remind you of some things that we have studied in the past. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 12 and following. Now if a man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each man will become evident, for the day will show it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. And each man's work, which he has built on, it remains, he will receive the award. What are you building with? If you're not doing it in humility, it won't really matter, will it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Did you get that? Do you understand what I just said? Take that in light of the text in Ephesians. What do you think? If I'm busy and I'm working all the time and telling everybody that I'm working all the time and look how well I'm working all the time, look how good I'm doing on working all the time. Is that wood, hay, or stubble? Or is that gold, silver, and precious stone? See? See how easy it can just suck you in? We all say, well, I want to be a servant. All right. 
Do you need somebody to blow the trombone when you come in? They used to blow trumpets when the Pharisees would come on and give their offering for the temple. Here I am. You've heard the story of the widow's mite, haven't you? It is. I have seen this destroy churches more than any single issue. You know, I've heard about the sexual immorality or stealing, and I've heard of all of those things. I've seen them. I've even had to deal with it with some people, different churches. No problem. But I have never seen anything that is consistently tear apart a congregation than pride. I have seen churches that get so puffed up because our pastor is published. We rightly divide the truth. What is that? Pride, brothers and sisters. When you allow that to mingle around, understand that you will have to give an account for the deeds of the body, whether it's good or bad. And then it will put under the fire. And if it is consumed by the fire, then regardless of what the deeds was, it is useless. And without humility, where do you get honor? When we allow pride to take over, do you understand that you forfeit the blessings of the Lord? Hey, you still get by. You can smile. Hey, they may give you a placard or something and give you a little star to put on your coat or I don't know what they do. I know I've been accused of uh, several times. I've been accused of a lot of things. But anyway... Not appreciating what I was doing. Really? I tell you what. (laughs) If you think you need commendations from me. (laughs) Man. I I love you, but you guys should aim higher. (laughs) I want to hear, well done true and faithful servant. Alright? And I love you guys. I don't care whether you say it or not. I want him to say it. That's what it's about. Listen. If you are prideful and you want to just talk about yourself and what you're doing and what you've done and where I'm going and what I'm going to do and da 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 down the line, you are not walking worthy. Verse 2 of chapter 4 says what? In all lowliness, which you were what? Called. I implore you. I beg you. Now, look at that text in Ephesians 4. You see it. It's humility. You start by walking humble. I don't bring anything to the dance. I'm just glad I'm here. That will lead to gentleness. Listen, you will not be gentle if you're prideful. That will lead to patience. Patience and pride cannot exist in the same container. And all of that is long-suffering love. But I want you to think about it, and we'll get more into it in the weeks to come. Do you understand that the humble walk has one objective? Only one. You know what it is? Verse 3. Unity. Unity. 
when there isn't unity, what would be the problem? Any ideas? Pride. It'd be pride. It's all it's going to be. Pride. Why? If there isn't unity, there's pride. Why? Because I know more. I think more. I'm smarter than you are. You fill in the blank. You can plug it in any way you want. It's still going to be pride. So if I am going to walk, Paul says, I implore you, I beg you, you must do these four things. Why? Because I want to see the unity of the body of Christ. Now, think about it. Look how small we are. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe we're unified? Just asking. Do you know how important this is? I thought you would never ask. Do you understand for the Apostle Paul that the unity of the body of Christ was the most important thing that he wants us to know? You know that? You know why? The unity of the believers is critical. John's Gospel, chapter 17, the Lord's Prayer, beginning in verse 21. Okay, I'll start with 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. Okay, that would be the disciples that are in the upper room. But for those also who believe in me through their word. You know who that is? That's me and you. Okay. That they may all be one... Even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Did you get that? Do you realize why the body of Christ in the United States is not reaching the lost? It's right there. We're not unified. We all have an agenda. I have had the privilege to travel in numerous different countries. And it's it's fascinating because I always let this run around in my head. (laughs) They're all former socialist countries that have collapsed. Okay. Prior to their freedom, they had none. And the Bible was illegal. Now they got the Bible. But you know what I noticed? Whether it was in Russia whether it's in Azerbaijan, whether it's in Georgia, there's something that is amazing to me in all of them. They're all absolutely unified. They all work together. And you know what? They are reaching hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Because the people look at it and say, what is this? What man can unify a bunch of men? Only one. Only one. There's a whole bunch of claim to have. But that's just because I got a bigger gun. And you will be unified or you will not exist anymore. Okay. All right. Let's be unified. I'm in. Yet Jesus Christ says, believe in me and you will be one as me and my father. When that happens, what happens? The world believes. Why? Because the world can't do that. They can't do it. 
The glory which you have given me, I have given to hmm, them. That they may... Do you see how simple this is? We always talk about His glory. What is His glory? The oneness of the Godhead. And we are the body of Christ, therefore we are one with Him. And that is His glory here on earth. What do we call that? Unity. We are unified. Why? In the common principle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, think about it. All right? Think about your conversation. Think about your average conversation. Is it about you or is it about the Lord Jesus Christ? Just average conversation. What is it about? Because that's the unity. I am one with Christ. I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected. That they may be perfected. That they may be perfected in unity. You know what they call that? (laughs) Perfect unity. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. The world may believe. Now, you will hear us speak at times about praying. We pray that this is Jesus' will, right? You know, it's to be your will. You know, you'll hear us say that, right? Who's praying this? Whose will you suppose it is? So if you were to look at that, you would say, okay, I want to be one as the Father is one and the Father and the Son are one. I want to be one. I want to be one with all the brothers and sisters of Christ because that would be one because it's the body of Christ. And that I will know will be happening because, oh, the people will believe. Why? Because mankind has never been able to unify. And God says, I give them my glory. What is my glory? The oneness of the Godhead for the body of Christ. And when that unity is broken, there is one culprit. You understand, right? It may manifest itself as greed. It may manifest itself as envy. It may manifest itself as coveting. It may manifest in all kinds of ways. But there's one reason that that happens. You know what it is? Pride. Pride. You know, something that is that evident and has been around that long. I mean, we can go back to Ezekiel and Isaiah and see where Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. Okay, because he said he was greater than God. God says, bye. Okay, but I can also take it back to the garden. If you eat of this fruit, you will what? Know as God knows. What is that? Pride. Guess what? We're eyeball deep in it right now. Kind of a tough message, isn't it? Yeah, our Lord prayed. The glory you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Look around the churches. 
See that? Can you look at the churches and says, Jesus loved them so much. It's just as much as God loved Jesus. I can tell it. Just look at it. See it right there. No, it's not there. It's one of the great tragedies that I deal with. People wanting to do something that they can't do and never have been able to do. And it's all because I told you that we deal with the edges, the peripherals. We deal with the actions that come off the foundation of pride. But we never deal with pride. It's just amazing. And it's like I said, I said last week, it's very elusive. Because as soon as you think you got it, that means you just lost it. Apostle Paul, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called with all, with all humility. Why? Preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It's one God, one faith, one spirit, one body, and one hope of your calling, one baptism, and one God and Father overall. We have to step back and say, this is who I am, uh, as Isaiah said in 51. You know, remember the pit you came out of. If that don't work, go back to Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 3. You were dead in your sin and trespasses. Listen, you got nothing. And anything that is good came from above. I've had the privilege of speaking in casual conversations with some of the greatest preachers that have um, walked this planet. They all had one thing that was truly amazing to me. Absolute humility. Absolute I remember R.C. Sproul saying, you know, he played golf this before he hurt his back in a train crash. He, <laughs> he played golf. Uh, and he said that uh, golf was a chance for him to get out and kind of clear his head and he said uh, but what he learned was he said it was you know you're out you're walking around and, and you're dealing with other things and he said uh, the problem is is that once you start becoming a handicapped golfer then you need to repent because you're doing it too much <laughs> so, yeah all right and then he looked over at John MacArthur and says you know he's a seven handicap right <laughs> so anyway but uh, see, these are things that you have to understand. I mean, I sit and talked with Adrian Rogers and Charles Stanley. I mean, God has got a sense of humor. I don't care what anybody says. I, I, I've talked to Dr. Olford, David, Jonathan, and Stephen. They're all humble. You can't get them to talk about themselves. You can't get, when's your birthday? See, I've been trying to get David to tell me his birthday. He's the same age as me. When were you born? Well, I'm 56. Oh, boy. When? <laughs> well, that's irrelevant. You see what I'm trying to get at? And yet, I sit and I listen to so many people and everything is about themselves. Okay? Now listen, it doesn't mean I don't share my concerns with you people or my heartache. But what we have to be very cautious of is, am I walking into pride? Because let me tell you something. As soon as you hit that, you've caused disunity in the body of Christ. And secondly, you forfeited the blessings of the Almighty God who has promised to bless each and every one of us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. But he can't do it. When you're prideful. See how important it is? And guess what? When the body is unified, what happens? The world sees it. And guess what? 
They believe it because that ain't natural. People being unified. See how it works? We'll get more into this in the weeks to come. Humility, gentleness, patience, and long-suffering. Paul is begging as a prisoner of the Lord, walk in a manner worthy of this calling. Father, I come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, the amazing things you keep showing me over and over and over uh, of your amazing power, the amazing mercy that you have, and the resources that you have given each of us individually, but each of us collectively as the body of Christ, I still stand in awe. Father, I pray if there's any of us that are dealing with pride or refusing to deal with pride, that today would be that day and they would understand the great victory that we have in you. Father, we love you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the the privilege of being with my brothers and my sisters. And that, Father, that we will continue to walk worthy as Paul has begged us. And that, Father, we would understand that your spirit strengthening the inner man is that process of humility. To you, my King, in Christ's name, amen.